1: Welcome in everyone to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports I'm Justin Graver and joining me as always on this fine Monday afternoon Justin Mello, what is up my friend?
0: Doing well Justin, we got quite a bit to talk about right. got a couple of Titans signed elsewhere in free agency We got a couple more draft players and positions to go through So I'm excited
1: Yeah, we are going to continue the series we started last week, looking uh, position by position at this upcoming draft class. Today, we are focusing on two position groups, one on offense, one on defense, one that we think is highly likely the Titans will target, one that will be a bit shorter of a discussion because maybe a day three pick, but I don't see a day one or two pick on cornerback the other position will be wide receiver but first a little bit of news just briefly touch on these two things dane crookshank signed a one-year deal with the chicago bears for about half the salary that the titans will be paying aj moore your thoughts
0: yeah i was quick to tweet that one out which is i guess why you're throwing that at me a little curious on that one i would love to know more you know they signed aj moore Uh, to a one-year contract worth $2.5 million. I'm not very familiar with the player, and hopefully he will surprise us. But from what I gather, uh, he's more of a special teams guy than anything else. So I don't know if this is a guy that's going to come in and play many snaps for you defensively, at, at least in an ideal scenario, right, if you don't have injuries and whatnot. You look at what Crookshank got in Chicago. He barely got north of $1 million. So you're looking at a discrepancy of about $1.4 million, right? They paid more as opposed to what Crookshank gets in Chicago. Now, I know Crookshank is a bit of a special teams guy as well, um, but he played a pretty decent role for you down the stretch last season. We've talked talked about it a lot on this show, right? A guy that started coming in and almost playing more of a dime linebacker role, that, that hybrid safety linebacker type position. Started covering tight ends in, in man-to-man coverage. Did a great job on Travis Kelsey in Tennessee's blowout win over uh, Kansas City, and then did an unbelievable job against George Kittle later on in the year in a come-from-behind primetime win where Kittle was held to only two catches and 20 yards, right? And I think Kelsey held to like 60 catches for 65 yards with no touchdowns. I mean, that, that's 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 considered a bad game, right, for a tight end of Travis Kelsey stature. So. Uh Crookshank did really well in that role this past season. He's been a special teams guy. And, and that role he played, it, it was almost out of necessity, right? Because you weren't getting great results out of um uh Jayon Brown in that position anymore. Rashad Evans, you know, couldn't cover Zach Cunningham's not a very good cover man. It's not exactly David Longstrong suit either. So all of a sudden in comes Crookshank and he makes that role his own. So I, I'm a bit surprised by the way that this played out. Look, for all we know. Uh, Crookshank wanted to leave. Maybe Chicago offered him a better chance to start. Maybe they promised him more playing time. That's not going to really happen in Tennessee with Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker. So that could be it. Or maybe saying that is giving John Robinson too much credit. It could also be the alternative where uh, you know maybe he messed this one up a little bit and paid AJ more more money, uh, which uh, you know is, is still strange to me. One of those two things is true. We'll probably never know which one it is.
1: Yeah, honestly, I'm sad to see Kirkshank go. I thought he was a great player for the Titans in the role that they used him in. I would have preferred the Titans re-sign him for the money they that he got paid over this AJ Moore addition. But all that said, I don't think this really affects how the Titans played events in 2022. I think that, like you said, Kirkshank was more of a necessity play than like a super skill set. I think Titans fans are doing that thing they do where they overrate their guys. Could be. And, I mean, a lot of Titans fans think of him as a tight end eraser. And I think that he did a good job matched up one-on-one with tight ends. But, I mean, I don't know that he was a, necessarily a tight end eraser.
0: Well, it, it it should take longer to develop that type of reputation, right? More consistent play on, on, on a more frequent basis. So, I would agree with you there. It's not like he's been doing it for three years. And, right. no, he kind of did it later on in the season, you know, mid-half to the back end. Looked good doing it. Uh, I will say this. I don't want to spend much time on this topic, but I can't help myself. Um, who covers tight ends next year if the season starts tomorrow? Who's that guy that plays man coverage on third down on tight ends? Kevin Bayard. Think he's going to play that much near the line of scrimmage, potentially?
1: He did it prior to last year. Yeah, that a bad he has- year
0: in, in 2020, and he became more of a ball hawk again last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not something that you want to make a big habit out of doing, but I think you can throw Elijah Molden into some of those situations where his like lack of speed relatively to some faster cornerbacks isn't as big of an issue against large tight ends as it would be against Small, speedy receivers where his physicality can allow him to win some of those matchups. Kevin Bayard has played one on one in tight ends before, and he's talked about wanting to continue improving in that area. And you can put Amani Hooker back and let him roam the deep safety and you can switch them off. I think there's there's plenty of ways to go about doing this. Crookshank was great for that role last year, but there are
0: other players that can play this position for the Titans. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't have them, but I am curious how it plays out because I'm not quite sure what direction they'll go in as of right now. I think you have a few options, but nothing jumps out at me as, oh, it's going to be this guy.
1: Yeah, I think ultimately if the Titans were super worried about this, they would have paid Kirkshank $2 million for this year or something. They would have brought him back. So if they're not worried, I'm not worried. I do think this could lead to the Titans drafting a safety to be a third safety slash – special teams guy that does what they just had Dan Kirkshank doing for the last four years who like plays special teams and comes in occasionally as a day three pick, which is exactly what Kirkshank was. And
0: wasn't Amani Hooker a day three pick as well?
1: Round four. Yeah.
0: Not that Kirkshank is a, a an all time beater. Like we just agreed on, but, I think we could probably also agree that Robinson's had a pretty good job drafting day three safeties, right? Between Crookshank and Hooker, he's got to feel good about his ability to get guys there. And don't forget that Amani Hooker's entering a contract season in 2022. And the way he played last year, if he continues that, he's going to be doing a sizable raise and uh, never say never, right? Titans should be able to afford to keep him, But if they start focusing on trying to find a new quarterback, potentially A.J. Brown extension, Jeffrey Simmons extension, They've let guys walk before, right? So, uh, Monty Hooker's a guy that they could potentially lose in free agency next year. Uh, what we you know with, with losing Crook and, and Hooker entering a contract year, I, I think you're almost guaranteed to draft a safety on day three. Yeah, and just one
1: quick note on the contract stuff since we're talking about it right now, it's not something I necessarily want to get into right now, but you do have the fifth year option for Jeffrey Simmons, so you could do a scenario sure. where you pick up the As option, cheap. yeah, cheap, way cheaper than signing him to an extension will be where you way could. Cheaper pick up the option and then sign him to an extension that starts after the fifth year option, give him a signing bonus. So he gets the money that he wants to get, but in terms of cap space, you save the cap space, extend AJ Brown and, uh, and bring back Imani hooker. I think they love Imani hooker and he's only gotten better every year in Tennessee. So I imagine David
0: Long's going to be a free agent too, right? That's two defensive starters, uh, that were day three picks that have given you, Way more production than their draft slot would suggest, and will be due sizable raises. So, can't keep them all right all the time. So, we'll, we'll see how that plays out.
1: And while we're talking about this, I mean, that is the I don't want to call it a downside, but I guess a side effect of having a great draft that 2019 draft for the Titans. <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, Nate Davis, Amani Hooker, David Long. Five right. starters, Nate two Davis superstars.
0: well will enter a contract. Yeah, here.
1: so all these guys are going to need new contracts, whether they're with Tennessee or somewhere else. <laughs> That's what happens when you have great drafts, is you either end up having to let guys walk or you have to pay them money. But hopefully, you know, John well, Robinson can reload in a draft class here. He hasn't had a home run draft like 2019 since then. He's had a few good picks here and there.
0: You could- I was gonna say, I was about to say John Robinson's playing chess, not checkers, because he's not gonna have to sign many people from that from that 2020 class. So you don't gotta worry about <laughs> that
1: one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um yeah, you know, you get comp picks if guys walk and sign big deals elsewhere. So there's there's a lot of ways this can this can play out for the Titans, but I think for now they'll be okay without Dane Kirkshank. Another guy they will be without next year is Rashawn Evans, who just signed a deal as we were taping this podcast with the Atlanta Falcons. Titans lose nothing here. He wasn't even active for the playoff game because the Titans decided that he wasn't one of their top four linebackers on the team. And uh, he reunites with Dean Pease in Atlanta
0: and Arthur Smith. Ty- Arthur Smith obviously didn't handle him directly. But, goes to play, and Marcus Mariota, right? A bunch of former Titans on that Falcons team Rashawn Evans will recognize. Um, I guess Atlanta was in the market for a linebacker. This doesn't totally shock me. I actually think I predicted it on an article uh, for the Draft Network uh, about two months ago because Falcons were tight up against the cap. They were probably going to lose their starting linebacker. You know, forgive me, I'm not entirely sure to pronounce his name. He ended up signing a three-year, I think, $45 million deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Foy, uh, a Lunkin, a Lincoln, I believe it is. He's a Harvard graduate led the, I believe he led the league in tackles last year. Not only led the Falcons, but led the NFL in tackles last year. That's something ridiculous, like 150 tackles. One of those linebackers that is always around the ball and makes a lot of tackles um, knew they couldn't afford to resign them. I always had a feeling Rashawn Evans could maybe be a low cost replacement given their uh, salary cap situation. And lo and behold, they go out and get Evans on a one-year deal. Um, think we'll look back on Evans as a mistake uh, Titans traded up to get him in the first round of the draft, you know, first year or two, I would say we're relatively solid, but the play always kind of trended in the wrong direction from there on out. He was a starter for most of Dean P's time here in Tennessee. So Pease really knows what he's getting in Atlanta. I think it's more coincidental, but when Pease left, it's kind of when his playtime started to dwindle a little bit. Realized how important it was to have guys out there that can cover. He can't do that. His instincts began slipping as as time went on. Wasn't a great um, read and react type player uh, for the Titans. So definitely a disappointing pick. It is what it is. You know, with that said, best of luck to him in Atlanta. I'm sure he's excited to reunite with Pease and Arthur.
1: Yep, there we go. That's the news on the Titans front. There's a little, a few other things that have sort of happened. There's stadium news. Amy Adams Strunk apparently trying to liquidate assets to put up $700 million to help fund the Titans new stadium. The city getting involved, city of Nashville getting involved after the state announced that they would put money up last week. I don't really know a whole lot about this as a non Nashville resident. You also are a non Nashville resident. What are any thoughts about this, this new stadium?
0: No, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a super expert on the subject. What I will say is at F Words Pod, Zach. Wrote an excellent article about it for broadwaysportsmedia.com. Make sure you go ahead and read that. Um, I'm excited about getting a new stadium for the Tennessee Titans. I will say that I may not be a Nashville resident, but I visit very frequently. I have been to that stadium several, several times. I will be honest when I say it is not overly impressive. I remember the first time I ever went there, I was like 18, 19 years old. I was so excited to attend my first Titans game in Tennessee. And, you know, hearing all these things about NFL stadiums, how incredible they are. Um, I remember going there and just thinking, it's okay. You know what I mean? It definitely does not blow you away It's one of the nicest stadiums in the NFL. So I'm excited about them getting a new stadium. They're talking about building a dome so you could host a Super Bowl. You could host a Final Four, uh, NCAA March Madness, uh, all kinds of events um and and the city of nashville obviously deserves all of those events so if this stadium is going to help bring a super bowl to the city of nashville bring march madness all these other massive sporting events i think it's a great great idea
1: yeah i'm with you i don't have a really strong opinion either way but i hope that and and go read Zach's
0: article right because that'll help you out a ton
1: yeah i hope they do get a new stadium it'd be cool my only experience at nissan was Going during the 2019 NFL draft when they had like activities and stuff around the stadium. That's the only time I've ever been to Nissan Stadium.
0: I mean, you're from you're from Los Angeles. So you got you got so far there. Now, So maybe it's not fair. But like, am I wrong? Or do you remember your first impression of the stadium being like, it's, it's nice, but it's not a world beater by any means.
1: Yeah, not really. I, I think it'd be awesome to have a cool new $2 billion stadium for the Titans to play in, so let's make I, it happen. I'm
0: sorry to our local listeners, because you might be listening to this saying, what's it going to do to my tax dollars and and all that? And I get you. I, I hear you loud and clear, but as a non-Nashville resident, I'm going to take the uh, selfish and biased point of view here and say, give me the new $2 billion stadium, baby.
1: And not just taxpayers, but you also have um – Season ticket holders, PSL holders, yeah. who those Traf- prices? What, will traffic, probably go traffic off. in
0: that city is already terrible as is. I don't is be, from Los Angeles, but
1: parking is gonna be a bitch if they're using the parking <laughs> lot as like the building ground for a new stadium. So that's another thing to consider. But hey, all those things lead to better things for the team, for the city of Nashville in general. A lot more income streams, a lot more events, which obviously helps the economy and yada yada yada. So. Anyway, that's that. Like you said, Zach has a great article up on broadwaysportsmedia.com about it if you want to know more. We are going to move on to a new topic, the draft. We started this series last week. We talked about potential quarterbacks the Titans may be interested in. If you missed that, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. And if you want more quarterback evaluation, you're talking about Zach's articles on broadwaysportsmedia.com. He put out one today, Monday, so yesterday, if this comes out on Tuesday— Called the quarterback conundrum and he went through and did a pretty in-depth evaluation on why the titans might draft a quarterback a strategy for looking at quarterbacks potential cost to trade up for a quarterback um, arguing for sticking and picking looking at the history of how these trades have gone down and how it's gone how, how it's worked out for teams who didn't trade up and then actually evaluating the top five quarterbacks in this class based on tape study and reading evaluations from other people. And it's really in depth. It's an excellent article. Highly recommend you guys check that out. We are going to move on this week.
0: Can I just say one thing real quick? If you are if you just heard Graver go through all that and you're thinking, ah, the Titans aren't going to draft a quarterback, I am not going to go read Zach's article. Uh, you might not have even seen this, Graver. I know you had a, a busy day. But uh, there is some news that slipped through the cracks today somewhere that Malik Willis uh, is one of Tennessee's top 30 visits. So the Titans are interested in quarterbacks. Right? I'm not saying they're going to draft one, but they've been in all their pro days, combine interviews, Now they're bringing in Malik Willis for a top 30 official visit. Those visits mean something, right? They don't bring players in that they have no interest in drafting. Now, the chances of them getting Malik Willis, I think, are fairly low. I think he's probably going to go quite high. He might even be the first quarterback off the board, in my opinion, just based on pure raw potential and and, skill set. But you should read Zach's article. right? They're bringing in Malik Willis for a top 30 visit. That likely means something.
1: I'm still maintaining my belief that the Titans are not going to draft a quarterback highly in this particular draft, but crazier things have happened. And I acknowledge that it is certainly a possibility that said, let's move on to a position I view as way more likely. And that is the wide receivers. So Titans obviously picked 26 overall. There's a handful of wide receivers that people are debating as the top receiver in this class. Some people think it's Alabama's Jamison Williams. Some people think it's Ohio State's Garrett Wilson or Ohio State's Chris Olave. I've seen Traylon Burks as somebody's number one wide receiver in this class. I've seen some people who don't even have Burks in the top five. It's a very subjectively rated class right now, I would say, with no clear consensus, no Jamar Chase this year. But that said, who do you see as the top receivers? And what do you think the odds are that any of them, if there are three, if there are five, whatever you view the tiers as being, actually make it to the Titans at 26? And if the Titans might actually draft one, what do you, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think my my personal favorite receiver in this class um, is Chris Olave out of Ohio State, right? I mean… Uh, This guy set Ohio State's all, you know, single season record, right, for touchdowns this past season, 13 touchdowns. That's a single season record for the program. And that's a program that's had uh, a lot of great receivers. I mean, they had, they had um, several great receivers this season alone, right? So, really get into the end zone 13 times. That's pretty special. He goes to the combine, measures in at six foot 187, uh, runs a 40 yard dash in 439 seconds. I mean, that, that, that's, just, that's terrific, right? And essentially the same measurements he had throughout the process. So, what, what Ohio State listed him at. So, it was good um, to see the measurements confirmed. When I turn the tape on, I think my favorite thing about Chris Olave is how excellent of a route runner he is. I think he's really advanced in this area. He's a true technician. I think he ran the full route tree at Ohio State. They asked him to do a lot of things. Uh, really great player. What's the most important thing for a receiver to do? Create separation and catch the football. When you watch this guy on tape, he's always open. He understands how to create separation at a high level. He sets defenders up at the line of scrimmage. A lot of great head fakes. A diverse release package. Um, re- really good player. I think I would say if if you were to ask me what, what is his worst trait? What's something he needs to improve on potentially? I don't know that he's much of a contested ball winner. I don't think he's a guy that's going to go up with a corner draped on his back and go go up and make the catch consistently. But with that said, he's open so frequently, it's not something that gives me a ton of pause, right? What do you prefer? You prefer a a Nikhil Harry who can't get open and has to rely on contested catches? Or you prefer a guy like Chris Olave who gets open and and catches the football? So you're always going to go with Chris Olave. Obviously, that's a rhetorical question. Uh, that I'm asking. So uh, he's my number one receiver. And I think I don't know that there's a lot of people that feel that way. So I think there's a decent chance that he can be on the board for the Titans on um, that at 26th overall. I think a lot of people have Drake London going before him, have Garrett Wilson going before him, have Jamison Williams going before him. And I want to talk about all of those guys as well. But uh, I don't think there's a, a much of a scenario where Olave is the first receiver off the board.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I had the fun opportunity to chat with some scouts uh, at the NFL Combine, and I, my first question was, so Chris Olave, wide receiver one, and the guy I was talking with in this instance goes, hmm, no, nah, I don't think so. I was like, what? And he didn't really elaborate on why, but he was like, it's Jameson Williams. Williams is number one far and away. I don't even think it's close. Behind him is Garrett Wilson. Olave may not even be in my top five, and I was like,
0: Wow. What? Well, you know, so, you know, well, why don't why don't I take that opportunity to to talk about Jameson Williams a little bit? Please do. Unfortunately, as you all know, toward the ACL in the National Championship game, that was gut-wrenching, right? And this, I believe it was in the second quarter after making a 50-55 yard catch on that terrible, terrible turf there at Lucas Oil Stadium in mm-hmm. Indianapolis that has claimed the souls of so many legs, foots, knees, uh, and yet we keep building stadiums with turf, but I'm not gonna get into that now. Jameson Williams, 6'1, 179 at the combine. That measurement on the weight was slightly concerning. It was about 10 pounds less um than what he was previously listed at. But you you know you have to wonder what the ACL has done. Um, to his workout regimen, of course, potentially lost some weight uh, due to the injury there. But when you turn on the tape, I mean, mean, oh my God. First of all, how many receivers did they have at Ohio State? Because a a guy like this couldn't get on the field for the Buckeyes. He transfers to Alabama. What is he doing 2021? 75 catches, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. I mean, it it was unbelievable. This guy was in the end zone every time you turn on the tape his acceleration is just unbelievable is it not i mean I, you talk, want to talk about another guy that's always open that's explosive that's dynamic with the with and without the ball in his hands this kid is incredibly dangerous incredibly dangerous he's a threat to score not only every time he's got the ball in his hands but heck even before he's got the ball in his hands because you're talking about a guy that's going to get behind secondaries just going to defeat man coverage get behind players i mean i I love him. It is very close for me, by the way, between him and and Olave for my wide receiver one. If I end up releasing my big board, which I should, I just haven't had enough time to, to hit publish on that. um, There's very little separating these two players for me.
1: Yeah. And then what about Garrett Wilson? Because I, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of tape on him, but I have watched some, and I honestly struggle to see why so many people are so high on Garrett Wilson. I feel like he just exists.
0: (laughs) Um I think I mean the guy ran a four three at the combine, right? That was an electric time. Uh the height weight was disappointing, right? From what I'm on recall, believe it was about 511, 182, 183, something along those lines. Um, that was definitely disappointing. But then you know he goes out there, he runs the 40, everyone forgets about it. I, I think Garrett Wilson does his best work. After the catch, I I think he's pretty damn dangerous with the ball in his hand. So that to me is really interesting. Another thing that's going to work in his favor throughout this process, this pre-draft process or or has worked in his favor and will continue to do so. I think he's a slot guy at the next level. You're going to look at me and say, well, why, why would that work in his favor? Look at today's passing offenses, man. It's a copycat league. Guy, what if guys like even Devontae Adams, when they run out of the slot, what has he done? Who is the most productive receiver this past season in the National Football League? Cooper Cup from the Los Angeles Rams and what he did out of the slot, right? Teams are starting to put their best receivers in the slot. It's becoming a bit of a trend. Garrett Wilson is a slot receiver at the next level. I think he's someone that's going to get open, um, th- that also gets open and will continue to do so at a really high level. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of him, big fan of him. I think he creates issues for opposing defenses. I think his best fit, I don't know that he's a Tennessee Titan, I'll be honest with you, because when I, when I watch Garrett Wilson, and I've had these discussions with, with, our, with our scouts at, at the Draft Network, his best fit is to go to an offense that spreads the field. Right, You look at what the Arizona Cardinals do, for example, and the way Cliff Kingsbury runs that version of the air raid where he wants four receivers on the field. He spreads them out, all these spacing issues that he wants to create. I think that's the type of offense that best suits Garrett Wilson.
1: Yeah, that's a good point you make there about slot receivers. And while we're talking about guys who played mostly in the slot or could play mostly in the slot, not that Garrett Wilson did, I think what is intriguing to me about this class is that none of these guys really profile as, like, number one Dominant receivers to me at the next level. But someone who comes close is Traylon Burks, who played most of his snaps at Arkansas from the slot, did have a very, very high like efficiency metrics on a very small sample size of routes run from the outside. But what do you make of Traylon Burks? Because to me, when I look at this class and I'm evaluating fits for the Titans, Chris Olave is my number one. And behind him, to me, is Traylon Burks. I think that he is very much in play at 26 to be the Titans pick. What are your thoughts on this guy?
0: I do really like Traylon Burks. I mean, every time I turn the tape on, he blew me away. And you're talking – it's funny you say that because I don't know that the rest of the league – um, as just high on him, or even analysts, as you and I are, but I am high on him. I mean, I can't help myself. Uh, sometimes I want to stop myself. I want to hit pause because there are some concerning things out there. Six-two, uh, you know, two twenty-five. The forty was very average, between about uh, mid-four fives. It looked like, but when I turned the tape on, man, built thing. The first thing I wrote in my notes is he's built like a brick house. He you know, is. He's a He's he's a weapon. Um, with the ball in his hands, he's extremely physical, extremely dangerous after the catch. He's got that physical profile that the Titans like at receiver, right? When I turned the table for the first time, I thought he almost had a bit of a poor man's A.J. Brown vibe to him, right? Because of how physical he runs his routes and, and how much he creates after the catch. Now, I will say, I think A.J. Brown is a much better separator and that's one of the areas of Burke's games that gives me a little pause. I feel like he makes a lot of catches with defenders in the area. I don't think he's an elite separator. Some people have compared him to LaVisca Chenault. Now, if I told you mm. you were getting LaVisca Chenault, you'd be disappointed, right? And I would, too. I don't but see I didn't that. See, yeah, I, didn't see I don't a see spot that, of that. And I've,
1: I've seen um, some Jags, like people who cover the Jags closely who also do scouting, who – Question have questioned that comparison like on Twitter a lot actually. So I don't know if I see. Yeah, that.
0: I didn't love it either. I'm surprised how much of it has popped up because I feel like with Chennault, you really have to design and manufacture touches for him. And I didn't really get that vibe with Traylon Brooks. I mean, and you talk about a guy that played at Arkansas, right? The best uh, conference in college football, playing in the SEC. Turn on the tape, man. Put on the do. P- make the eye test. Look what he did to Alabama. I gave him a 10 out of 10 grade for what he did against Alabama. I mean, he was unbelievable in that game right physical size speed run after catchability he's a great blocker right which is something the Titans yeah. uh, love turn on the tape against Auburn that was just unbelievable what he did to Auburn this past season it was just downright stupid they couldn't stop him uh if they tried to put on the tape against Ole Miss he was terrific against Ole Miss two unbelievable catches in that game has a touchdown I'm a big fan of the player I think he should be in play for the Titans at 26 personally
1: yeah, I, I fully agree, and I think what's interesting about the way Burks was used at Arkansas was they lined him up in the backfield kind of frequently. They would motion him, not like jet sweep motion. I mean, they used him on jet sweep motions as well, but they they motioned him like a tight end often does, the way an H-back comes across the formation as like a lead blocker who catches a little dump-off pass and takes it for 10 yards after the catch. I, I think that he could be a, somebody who replicates a little bit of what John U. Smith did for the Titans. Not obviously as good of like, not as big a body. Well, I mean, he's a big body. I don't know. He might be as big a body, but I don't know if he really plays the exact same tight end role, but he could play some of those. He could give you some of those elements that make your offense more versatile.
0: That's probably where the LaVisca Chanel comparisons came from for some people, right? When they saw a lot of those jet sweeps and some of those screen passes, but I think he's a good player that can play a traditional receiver role Um, One thing that really stuck out to me, Dane Brugler tweeted during the combine, was after Burks was uh, people were questioning him. The combine didn't go well. Is he explosive? Is he this? He led the SEC in explosive plays, right? 20 yards or more. Again, that's quite the conference. So let's not overthink it on Traylon Burks. I'm a big fan of the player.
1: Me too. Um, Any other receivers that you think could be in play in the first round? Where do you think Drake London slots into this conversation?
0: Yeah, I think we need to talk about Drake London, right? 6'3, 219. Um, He was such a tough evaluation for me. And this is probably going to come off strange. Um, When I watch the Notre Dame game, you can't help but just laugh, right? Like, he he looks like a great athlete. He's a good route runner. He's so physical, has some run after catch ability. Heck, he's 6'3, 219. I think he was originally listed at 6'5, which is ridiculous. But. He's 6'3", 219. You turn on the tape against Stanford, Uh, I I thought it wasn't his best showing. If if you want to get a a game that's a bit of a mixed bag uh, to get maybe a fair point of view, you should go watch the Stanford game. Uh, He has a role in a pick six that really hurt there. He also does have, you know, there are instances where his plus traits are on display. You go turn on Washington State. Now, that's not the the best opponent you you could play against, right? But what did he do? He lit him up like he should have 13 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. Um it, it's funny, it, it sounds so great on paper, but to me, when when I really analyze that game in depthly, there were a bit more lows than the stat line would suggest. There are there are highs and lows. There are some double catches, some drops. I, I noted some focus issues. Then you get into the highs. You see the route running, the physical ability, the strong hands, what he could do after the catch. I'm very torn on him there there are instances where I absolutely love him and I'm like wow I think this guy could be a Tennessee Titan when I see him running downfield and I see the uh, again the physicalness the run after catch ability contested catch stuff that he can do there are instances where I'm like I can see this guy being a Tennessee Titan and there are other instances where his game gives me a lot of pause and I have some concerns that maybe there's some some bust potential there so I am concerned about the player. A lot of people think he's gonna be the first receiver off the board with his blend of size, speed, and athletic ability. So and then when you factor in, like you said, people aren't that high on Olave. Jameson Williams hat Williams has the injury. I don't think it's impossible that London comes off the board in the top ten. Watch out for the Jets there.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you look at Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock draft and, and rankings overall, he he has Garrett Wilson going in the top ten. To the Falcons at eight, and then he has London going to the Jets at ten. So, you know, this is a guy who's plugged in, who talks to his friends around the league, talks to scouts, a former scout himself, NFL Network's number one draft analyst. And he's got Chris Olave falling twenty-two to the Packers, Traylon Burks, twenty-three to the Cardinals, and when the Titans pick at twenty-six, the best wide receiver on the board, quote unquote, is uh Jahan Dotson. So what do you make of Dotson, a Penn State wide receiver?
0: Your your transitions tonight are flawless. I just have to say, it's like you, you're you on fire. You can tell you work for the NFL. Um, I, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Jahan Dotson. 5'10", 178. Obviously, the weight issue, Um, it, it's, it's it's certainly a bit underweight. It was a three-sport athlete in high school, played football, basketball, track. One of the reasons I'm excited to talk about Jahan Dotson is I just interviewed him recently for the Draft Network. That I already published, if you want to go ahead and give that a read. um in all the years I've been doing this, one of the most polite draft prospects I've ever come across is a really nice guy that loves football. Don't get me wrong. He's a dog and he's got that in him, but he loves ball. He's such a nice guy. Just a really nice, humble down to earth player um, that loves the game. And I'll tell you this, man, uh, some of, some of our guys at the draft network, you can go check out his grades and the content that we have on him at TDN. Um, They're a big fan of this player, a really big fan. I know there's some I know Zach, for example. I'll just call him out. F words pod hates John. Dots, doesn't want the Titans to draft him. I've I've talked to some of our, our our scouts who are really high on him because of how he gets open and and what we talked about with separation. and I, And I asked him a lot about that. And he said, "Look, my quickness at the line of scrimmage. I know I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I thrive on getting open uh, due to my release package, and and, I, and that's an area of my game that's my one of my strong suits." So. I I I'm a fan of the player. I think he's more of an early second round pick, but if you're picking at the back end of the first, there's not a whole lot of difference. So, um I'll I'll say this. He's not my top choice for the Titans, but they can make worse picks in the first round than Johan Dotson.
1: Right. All right. Well, those are basically the the first round conversation receivers, I think. Is there anyone else that we haven't talked about that could sneak into that top 26 range?
0: No, I don't think there are, but I'll run through a couple guys that, um, that are, are for the Titans, you mean, or just um, uh, in, in the top 32? Yeah, both. Well, I think one guy that could sneak into the first round and might might shock some people is Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. There's been a lot of chatter on him, um, and for good reasons. If you saw what he did at the combine, I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> it's uh, It's not every day you see a guy go there measure at six, four, two Oh eight. I think you ran the 40 in like what, four, three, six, 38 and a half inch vertical, a, a broad jump greater than 11 feet four inches. Like, it was just ridiculous, and I can I can tell you there is a ton of interest in Christian Watson. Do not be surprised if he goes near the back end of the first round. I don't think it'll be the Titans that do it, but when I look at a team like the, the Detroit Lions that are picking at the back end there, heck, even the Kansas City Chiefs, right, who love pushing the ball vertically, I, I don't think Tampa Bay Buccaneers would take a receiver, um, but he really fits their mold of what they like, I'll tell you that.
1: What about the Packers who have two picks there in the first round? At the, in the yeah, bat, I mean that's a guy that
0: yeah, that's a guy that can that goes deep, right? So you look at what they lost in Marquez valdez scantling um, being a, a a big vertical uh, receiving threat. He very much fits that mold. Obviously, they lost Devontae Adams. He's not that type of player. But you're talking about a team that needs a receiver. They've got a quarterback that excels at throwing the deep ball. Um, I, I, I do think that fit makes some sense on paper for sure.
1: And then you have, obviously, the Titans could take an offensive lineman in the first round. They could take any position because we never know what John Robinson's going to do. But as you look at if they traded back into the second round or if they decided to use their third round pick on a receiver instead, do you have a, a group of guys you could run through more quickly to kind of cover? And um, maybe we can touch on some of those guys as well.
0: Yes, one guy that I, that I like quite a bit that's not getting enough attention, in my opinion, almost feels like a forgotten player in this class Uh, is John Mechie uh, out of Alabama. I mean, I I know he hurt himself during the season. It just feels like we've forgotten about Mechie a little bit. Played 13 games this year. He made 96 catches, had over 1,100 yards in that Alabama offense. Like, this is a really good football player, right? He's got some exceptional athletic ability. I think Mechie is a guy um, that we need to all talk about a bit more uh, than we are currently. Another guy that sticks out to me the Titans could like is George Pickens, in that uh, second round range, University of Georgia, 6'3, 195, um, is really recovered now from the ACL that he suffered previously. Had a really good combine, 4'4, 7, great measurements. Um, as I mentioned, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama is an underrated guy, 6'1, 194. I mean, he was South Alabama's offense. 82 catches, nearly 1,500 yards this past season. Underrated combine. Again, we didn't talk about it enough. Ran a 449, 10 inch hands. Uh, re- really good, intriguing football player. Another guy I'll touch on quickly uh, here is uh, Sky Moore, a guy that I really liked out of Western Michigan. Went to the combine, I think he surprised a lot of people with the. Uh, he had the biggest hands out of any receiver at the combine, greater than 10 inches. Kind of, me and him, we laughed about it when we talked. He's 5'10, 195. There are guys at the combine that are 6'3", 220, and it's Sky Moore that's got the biggest hands out of anybody. Reminds me a little of Dwayne Eskridge who came out of WMU last year. Really good technician, uh, exceptional route runner, athletic ability. Don't know that he's going to make the, the year one impact that everyone thinks – um, he can make, I think some of the hype is getting a little out of control. I think there's probably a bit of an acclamation period involved for him. What about Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, man? 6'3", 211, 40 and a half inch vertical, 129 inch broad. I mean, he lit the combine on fire, this guy. The 40 time was exceptionally fast. I think it was four four one. Officially, I think that initially they had it in the four threes, but it was four, four, one, still a great result for his size, really great vertical threat. One guy that I love, um, I can't help myself, man, is Calvin Austin out of Memphis. I know he's extremely, you're talking about a guy that's 5'8, 170. That's tough, right? It's a tough sell, but ran a four, three, two in the 40 yard dash at the combine. I mean, local guy from Memphis, exceptional knows how to get open. Yes. He's a slot only, only player, but I've talked about how that position is getting uh, more value. Electric dynamic was incredible at the senior bowl, man. No one could cover him in mobile. Nobody could cover him. He was unbelievable down there. So I'm a really big fan about, of that player. Those are the guys that stick out to me the most uh, when I'm talking uh, second and third round picks personally.
1: Nice, and I, I don't want to spend too much time, but I do think this is a huge position for the Titans to draft this year just from a roster-building standpoint with A.J. Brown's extension coming up and Robert Woods being on a, a, a fairly reasonable contract, but also you could completely cut him next season and have zero dollars in dead money, so there's no guarantee that he stays a Titan. Titans could re- look to restock this position. Day three, guys. Anyone that's worth throwing out there?
0: Oh, A receiver you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I think there are a couple guys that are being miscast as potential day two guys that I do not think are going to be day two guys. This is a really deep class and two players that come to mind for me. And specifically, again, that I think people were really high on early in the process, but we've come down to earth a little bit more is Wendell Robinson out of Kentucky. Uh, had a lot of hype early on. The tape is really exciting. I get it. So, so tell me, Justin, why do you have him on day three when there's been all this day two hype on him? Look, five foot, eight, 178 pounds ran the 40 in four, four that is not a good enough time for a guy that's 5'8 178 that's a really difficult sell at that size you know if you're 5'8 178 you got to do what Calvin Austin did you got to run that 40 in 43 43 flat he runs it in 444 four, four, was a big player at Kentucky really was their offense can do a lot of things for you line up in the backfield manufactured touches i don't think he's a day 2 guy he's a day 3 guy it wouldn't totally shock me if he went undrafted to be honest and another one that I have for you, I'll throw out one. Actually, I might throw out two more names, but one of them is a local guy, uh, Velas Jones out of the University of Tennessee, a volunteer, getting a lot of hype on Twitter for him, especially from the Titans, uh, Vols fans. Look, he had a good combine, six foot 204. He ran the 40 in four, four three one. one That's a really fast time. He was excellent at the at the Senior Bowl, another one of those guys no one can cover. So tell me, Justin, why do you say that he might be a day three guy? This guy played six years in college, man. He spent 2016 to 2019 at USC before going to Tennessee and playing uh, 2020 and 2021 there. He's going to be like 25, 26 years old as a rookie, right? Considering how deep this receiver class is, nobody's taking a 25, 26-year-old receiver on day two. I mean, uh, I, I just don't see that happening. So that's another guy that sticks out to me for day three last but not least one of your favorites justin ross out of clemson i don't think there's any scenario where he comes off the board in day two so i will mention him as a day three guy uh six four two oh five had that terrible uh neck surgery His, his i think his pro career was in question at one point you love to see him back I think he's a red zone threat, right? He's a guy that goes up and gets it high, points the football, contested catch winner. I think you see him maybe coming off the board. Round four, round five is when you start getting comfortable making that gamble um, uh, given the injury history. But those those are the three guys that stick out to me more uh, at receiver on day three. All right. Surely
1: the Titans will take one of those guys. Then then I can pull that clip when the time <laughs> comes and post it on Twitter. But let's say they decide to shock all of us moving on now covered the wide receiver position. Just like last week, we talked about a potential shocker would be shocker in the linebacker group. This week, we're going to talk about the cornerbacks. Now there was a report probably about a month ago now from Tron Davenport, who said that he could see the Titans targeting a cornerback in round one. I have seen the mock, um, a couple of mock drafts around the media landscape that have the Titans going that direction. Is there any reason the Titans would, and if so, who is the person that they might target?
0: I personally don't think there's a reason they would or sh- or or should. I think you move forward. You're very comfortable with Christian Fulton as your number one corner on the outside, as a, as a lockdown guy on the boundary. I'm going to skip over corner two for just one second and say uh, in the nickel, Elijah Molden is your nickel guy. We saw how many times did he play nearly hundred percent of snaps last year as obviously all defenses have moved towards, you know, nickel is the new base. Elijah Molden is your nickel corner. You feel great about that. You want to talk about depth. You like Chris Jackson, what he gives you inside and outside can play multiple positions had a really nice run last year, right in the middle of the year for the Titans, where he strung together some really impressive performances. You like Chris Jackson at corner two. You cut Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Why you drafted Caleb Farley in the first round last year? I know you have some concerns uh, with the back injuries, the ACL. John Robinson still spoke very highly of him recently. Said thought he was starting to get into a groove uh, when he suffered the ACL. ACL is not the end-all be-all it used to be. You are not giving up on Caleb Farley yet. That would just be ridiculous. He was your first-round pick a year ago. What did you do to give yourself some insurance? You re-signed Buster Stream to kind of be your, you know, your corner four, corner five as a guy that can give you snaps on the outside. Um, if Farley's injury comes along slowly, if he's you know unable to start the year or he's struggling or whatever. Buster screen played really well for you at times last year. I think you feel pretty good about your depth when you when you look at the Chris Jacksons and the Buster Screen. So I don't personally see them taking a first round corner. Uh with that said, you want to talk about some guys that I like. Look, Ahmad Gardner is not going to be there. I'm going to skip over him. Derek Stingley, by no means should he be there. I'm going to skip over him. Um, Andrew Booth out of Clemson is a guy that I really like. I'm really, really high on. Um, I think I'm higher on than most people. So he could be there at 26, six foot, 194. When you turn on the tape, I mean, tell me what you don't like about him. You know, and from a coverage standpoint, the size the ball skills, the athleticism. He's extremely physical. Um, He shows good instincts. If if there's one thing I'll point out, I I, I don't know that he's the world's best tackler. I I don't know that he's always as willing in that area, but we went through that with Christian Fulton prior to his draft year, right? You're drafting corners to cover first and foremost. Yes, the tackling is such a nice bonus, but you want them to lock down one side of the field and cover. I think Andrew Booth is a really good cover guy, man. So that that, that would be my favorite target at 26. If they went corner, with that said, I I really hope they don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I mean, I started to make a case for why it would make sense a couple weeks ago, and I still think that there is an argument to be made for why it could make sense to take a first-round corner when you look at just, like, planning ahead with the roster. But for 2022, how much better does it make the team in a small window to compete for a potential Super Bowl? I don't know that I would be super excited about that. I still believe you can never have too many good corners and that the NFL is a passing league. And so many teams have two and three or even four superstar wide receivers on their roster that you can't just have like a weakness on the field. Injuries happen every single year. Cornerback position gets ravaged. Titans have guys that have injury histories there, but all that said, there are so much bigger pressing needs that are still highly valuable positions like wide receiver that you could grab with your first round pick instead of going corner.
0: And, and but what about are, somebody
1: later? Sorry, go ahead. You have I was
0: going to say, there are a couple of these first round hype corners that I don't think the Titans will have much interest in and I could end up looking stupid. But when I look at, and I'll tell you why, like Roger McCreary out of Auburn, 5'11", 190, 28 inch arms, right? You want to talk about short arm length, Um, Another guy that I would group with him as a first round corner getting buzzed, Trent McDuffie, Washington, 5'11", 193 arms, barely longer than 29 inches. I like both players on tape, but we are specifically talking about the Tennessee Titans here. When I look at those measurements, I watch those guys on tape. I think both of them might have to kick inside at the next level. You're not going to take, number one, you're not going to take a nickel corner in the first round. Number two, you really like what you have in Elijah Molden at that position, right? So those are two guys that, that could be first round picks uh, in April that I don't think make a lot of sense for the Titans.
1: Agreed. All right. Anyone else that we should cover at the cornerback position later on in the draft, any guys you like day three, special teams, depth pieces. Cause I don't think it's impossible the Titans draft another cornerback, but I don't Agreed. think it happens before day three.
0: I'll run through some quick ones. You know, we're not going to spend as much time on We fan as receiver. First guy I'll mention is for a good reason, Marcus Jones out of Houston. Titans are having him in for a top 30 official visit. They obviously have some interest in him. One of my favorite players to watch on tape in this entire class 5'8", 174, that's the hangup. Do you draft another guy um, like that when you have Elijah Molden? That's why when I first identified him on tape, I said, I don't know the Titans will have a ton of interest in this guy, but they are bringing him in for a top 30. One of the reasons they may be doing that, uh, two reasons in my opinion. I think that he is an electric special teams player, kick returner, punt returner, great in that area. And he's got some safety versatility. There have been some talks about him playing safety. So if the Titans are showing interest in him, I can almost guarantee you it's not as a nickel corner because you you probably like what you have in Elijah Molden. Maybe they see some of that potential there at safety, some of that potential at special teams as well. Martin Emerson, 6'2", 201, Mississippi State, 33-inch arms, 10-inch hands, love the length, uses it in press coverage. I'm a big fan of the player. I believe James, uh, the one of the latest additions to Broadway Sports Media at No Flags Film, is a very big fan of Martin Emerson. I could see some of what he likes. I'm a big fan of the player. think there's a good chance he's available on day two. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Tariq Woolen out of UTSA because this guy could go in the first round now. Like There was all this buzz about him, but when he did it to combine 205, watch out for him in the first round. So I'm going to skip right over him. Uh, Alante Taylor out of Tennessee intrigues me some, versatile guy. Another local guy I have to touch on. This is a Tennessee Pro Podcast. Six foot, 190, has some of that versatility. can play safety, can kick inside, can play outside. Um, Those are really uh, some of the day two slash day three corners um, that caught my eye. One of my favorite day three sleepers, and he makes me feel like a genius, Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State. Why, Justin? Relative athletic score, RAS, I think we're all a big fan of it. 999. <laughs> Six foot two, 199 pounds, 39 and a half inch vertical, 11 foot broad jump, ran the 40 and four three is just ridiculous athletic profile. Why do I say he makes me feel smart? If you wanna dig into the Justin Mello archives, I interviewed Zion McCollum over a year ago, ahead wow. of his 2020 campaign, I think it was. I did wow. it for musiccitymiracles.com, Tennessee Titans SB Nation blog. He was the guy that came across my radar. A scout mentioned him to me like, this guy is intriguing. Keep an eye on him for the future. I haven't interviewed him this year. I interviewed him lab- again a year ago. He ended up going back to school. He didn't declare the year I interviewed him, but now he is going through the pre draft process put up some electric numbers, uh, some electric testing numbers. And there was a reason. We didn't know the testing numbers when I interviewed him, obviously. So when I identified him as a guy um, that I had interest in getting to know better, maybe a sleeper in the 2021 draft, again, he didn't end up declaring. But it was the tape that helped bring me there, right? I really liked what I saw on tape. You pair that with the athletic abilities. He's a really intriguing day three corner
1: nice well that is a pretty good look at the cornerback class that the titans might be interested in hopefully there's a clip there to pull for future uh use on twitter anyway is there any other players you want to talk about on this episode wide receiver or corner before we wrap it up
0: no, I think that pretty much that pretty much does it uh, covered. Most of them, I, I, I glossed over a couple. There are other guys if you want to get familiar with Cam Taylor Britt from the University of Nebraska. I think he's probably an inside guy mostly. Uh, if you want to look into a slot receiver, you can look up uh, Sky, Sky Phillips from the University of UCLA. I know he's gotten a lot of buzz as a potential slot guy, maybe in the same mold as Cole Beasley. Uh, and Braxton Berrios a reason I'll be honest I'm not a big fan of his is those guys are one in a million right it's not every not every undersized receiver can be Cole Beasley or Hunter Renfro they are so incredibly rare that I'm not extremely high on him I don't think the odds are really there in his favor but uh, those are a couple guys you could look up if you're interested in getting to know them that I didn't really touch on much here
1: nice well we will be back next week to continue this series we're going to look at another offensive group and another defensive group i think this time we will go offensive line a position that is very much in play and i would consider likely in the first round and defensive line a position again that i would not consider all that likely in the first round something we can get through a little bit quicker after spending more time on the o-line that's next week. So you guys come back for that. If you missed our quarterback linebacker episode, go back in the feed and find it. This, of course, was wide receivers and cornerbacks. And there will be more. We have a few more weeks until the draft. We're going to get through every position group before it gets here. So keep on tuning in to Music City Audible. Subscribe to the podcast. will appear right in your feed, wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. We mentioned Zach's got a couple of great articles up. There are draft articles being, being written and posted multiple times a week so make sure you're checking that stuff out all the podcasts broadway has to offer 440sports.com and that will do it for this episode you can find justin on twitter at JustinM underscore nfl i am at titans film room we'll be back next week like i said but until then you guys stay safe out there and tighten up
0: a broadway sports media production